All right, so before I begin, I would just like to state for the record that today is February 8th, 2021, and my name is Ben Bauman, and I'm here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm speaking via phone with Pat Bauer, who's in South Bend, Indiana. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, and we are doing an interview for the Indiana Legislative Oral History Initiative. So just to start off, when and where were you born? I was born at Holy Family Hospital in LaPorte, Indiana. Okay. And uh, what were your parents' names? My dad was Burnett Bauer, B-A-U-E-R. My mother was Aline Cryan Bauer, B-A-U-E-R. Cryan spelled C-R-Y-A. Oh, Okay. And I noticed that your name has a, a initial B before it. What's your uh, initial stand for? Well, my dad's name was Burnett, so they named me Burnett, but I didn't know until my eighth grade that my name wasn't Pat, because everybody called me Pat. Ah, okay, sure. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so when I had to do official papers, you know, they'd say Burnett, so I just started going B, Patrick Power. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Um, so, where was your family from originally before Indiana? Well, my dad came from North Dakota, and he went to school at Notre Dame. Oh. My mother, my mother was from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and uh, she went to the University of Michigan. And, she, and this is way back when, and she had a master's degree. So, St. Mary's College hired her to... Uh, helped their theater program. My dad at that time was in Notre Dame. My dad went to Notre Dame and then he went to graduate school. Yeah. And they, she, he and they met when he was uh, in graduate school and she was uh, got her job as the, not really the theater director or whatever drama director at St. Mary's College. And she recruited him for a part in the play because she started up to that time this was in the 39, 48 era. Yeah. 38, 39, 40. At that time, uh, women women played men's roles, and she told this nonce there that was ridiculous when all those men were across the street. Mm-hmm. So she recruited Notre Dame students, so she recruited my dad. Oh. So that's when they started. They met each other and eventually got married. And the highlighter of career there was probably when they... Uh, they had the movie about the Gipper, hmm. and uh, um, the President Reagan, he was President Ronald Reagan, played Gipper in that movie. Oh, wow. And, and Gipper was a Marine's first All-American, and when he was about 24, 25, he was still just getting out of Notre Dame, or he graduated, but he was still at Notre Dame, when he got some disease and, or some problem. And he was down in Memorial Hospital down in South Bend, which was about three miles from St. Mary's, Notre Dame, or across the street from each other. So my dad, my mother helped supply all the girls from St. Mary's to be outside in the snow outside Memorial Hospital. And and Gipper was about three stories up, and they were outside his window praying in the snow. So she she provided all those girls. So as they were walking them, it's about mile and a half to two miles from this campus, the St. Mary's along the 31 Highway. A limousine pulls up and it's Ronald Reagan asking if they want to ride into town. So she and my dad rode with Ronald Reagan, the star. Wow. <laughs> into the, into the, they 
grandmother was Ronald Reagan coming wow. out of the water when he ran for president. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, but that's... That's cool. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and what was uh, your dad's occupation? My dad, uh, well, he, he was like, he studied accounting and, and that was wrong. Well, it was his sort of first type of job. He did accounting, but then he got into sales. Okay. And he was selling Culligan and Laporte, on, uh, another company. I recruited him to be their franchisee. So it was called Lindsay. And he, um, so he became a, what you, a, a dealer for them. Yeah. And a distributor, and he was one of the top water softener distributors in the country. Wow. And Lindsay, Lindsay and Culligan slugged it out to who was number one. And my dad was number one in Indiana. And, parts of Michigan for a long time, many years. So he was in the water softener business, and then he got interested in politics, and uh, yeah. he ended up winning a uh, state rep here in St. Joe County. Okay. And the, and the areas he won, you had five at large, you went by counties. Yeah. And that was in the 60s, and so... You had uh, five from, well, for instance, from Marion County, you had so 15. You had 11 from Lake County, and you had another county, St. Joe, had five at large. And uh, he won three times. Well, he won 64, 66, yeah, 68. And then at 69, 70, they changed it to double members, two members. And by the way, some Senate races were two in a district sometimes too. But anyway, they didn't get to single member districts till my second 10 years, but uh, 2010, yeah. I'm not 2010. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a second. No worries. Interesting. All right. And um, let's see, going back to your childhood a bit, did you have any siblings growing up? <laughs> I had seven sisters and a brother. Oh, wow. Okay. So quite a few siblings. All right. <laughs> cool. That must have been a, a pretty a pretty wild household to be in, I guess. Were they all close well, to I age? Was, I was second oldest, so okay. I didn't get to enjoy the entire okay. multitude. I probably, when I left, there were seven. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah, it was in our, well, we lived out on the farm in Granger, uh, okay. which is now, now all shopping centers and multi-million dollar homes. Yeah. But, uh, Interesting. And, and by the way, yeah. you could run from Granger 
and still be the representative for South Bend, remember? Wow. Five member districts. And that, that was a, one thing that 15, well, I told you 11, there are 15 at large in Marion County and 11 at large in uh, Lake County. Yeah. And so, and that went from, then it went to twos and threes, depending on how big your county was. Like we had two two-member districts here and a single district after the five. And others, Marion County had three, five three-member districts. Yeah. And then we, that was when I ran in the 70s. And then, in the, or was, I don't even remember. Yeah, 70s. Cause, and then in the 80s, we went to similar. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so how would you describe your childhood overall? I don't know. I lived on a farm. <laughs> I yeah. a farm boy, basically. Yeah. Uh, we had the biggest, nicest barn around. Oh, okay. A big, big red barn. You could see it from miles away. Cool. A basketball court on the second floor. Wow. And, oh man, I always remember it. Um, that's awesome, yeah. Clay High School won a state championship in the mid, late, mid, in the 50s. And the guy later on helped IU win this national championship was from Clay, Western Clay. And he come, would come to our barn and shoot around. If I said his name, you'd have to know his name because he's the number one basketball player in the country and why I slip his name right now. <laughs> but... He'd come up to our barn. I was only about five years old, and he'd, he'd include me, let me play. So wow. I can't, I can't, if I said his name, I want to re, if I remember his name. Yeah, definitely. You, you would know his, you would even know his name, because yeah. he was number one in, in, in IU. Yeah. In the state, uh, national championship in the 50s. But, no, no, no. My <laughs> wife came out here, she said, Bobby and I... <laughs> That would be a story. Well known person, but <laughs> yeah. he was a, I don't yeah. even know if he played for IU. Yeah. No, but she that's, but he then became a pro a basketball player. Okay. Famous that. Okay. I'll remember his name. Yeah. I don't know why it's something. Yeah, okay. You can hold me to that too, because I I'm gonna go <laughs> look it up. <laughs> all right. You probably learn, you probably know how to play all that stuff on the plane. Who was the number oh. one? College basketball, I think it'd be about 1956, 50. IU won the national NCAA tournament. Okay. That year, and he was their star player. Okay, I could probably. Not that year, but in the 50s. Yeah, I could probably look that up. That would be. If he's on the national championship team, then that would narrow it down quite a bit. From IU. Yeah. Because I think he might have only won once. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, wow, I mean, that's that's cool that you had uh, a basketball court in your barn. Uh, was that like a place where lots of people would like to come and shoot around with you? came from all around. Yeah. Wow, that's that's fun. Now, did you play basketball at all growing up? I played for St. Mary's Campus Grade School, which uh, was on the campus of St. Mary's College. And I played seventh and eighth, and I made the freshman team at St. Joe. But okay. And when, when the B team came up, I had a choice of either being a sports editor in the paper or staying on the B team. And since I knew I wasn't going to get a 
Right. you say was or who were the most influential people in your childhood? In where? In your childhood? Well, my dad, I think he, number one, because of the fact of his, uh, I mean, he, he was into sports. He, he actually started the, and I went to a parochial school, and mm-hmm. he started the basketball and baseball teams there to get, and it was going in and it was part of a league that was called Inner City Catholic League, and it got to be at one time a pretty big deal. But he was he, he was into all those sports and stuff. He went to Notre Dame and stuff like that. So I guess I'd have to say my dad was a pretty big influence. But I have to say the other thing, I was in plays when I was just a little kid. When I was five years old. And my mother was head of drama at St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. So even as a little kid, I got into plays, even playing play a little kid or something. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I, and I did that. In my senior year of high school, we were the first, I was the host of the first junior achievement television show in the nation. It was on WNDU. And he had to go through the contest for all that. So that was, uh, I can't remember, that half-hour show. Or every week. Mm-hmm. Most of my senior year. But that was the first in our nation. And I think because of my mother's, I mean, I was in a place, like I said, when I was a little kid. I did several, I did plays at St. Mary's. And when St. Mary's became, uh, you know, you can, when you started, I was in St. Mary's place, three or four of their biggest plays when I was in, uh, there. Wow. So I don't know. I, I, if I was going to end up anything, I'd probably end up in, I don't know what you call them, drama and Acting, yeah. Yeah, but it didn't pay you a lot in the beginning, so I ended up... Yeah. Well, they needed teachers, so they asked me to t- teach English at a school, and then I got a like at that first, right within the first couple of years. Wow. Once you're elected, you have to take that leave of absence. Yeah. And your employer has to give you leave. So <laughs> if I'm sitting there half, half, well, half, third or half of my year down the state, yeah. you better keep the job you have. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that, and I went up, and I ended up, I was in, what do you call education for 33 years. I did 15 as a teacher, and wait, wait, uh, 35 years. Okay. Fifteen as a assistant superintendent, and then and the twenty-some as a teacher. And I became 
And then I worked for Ivy Tech as my original uh, vice president of Ivy Tech statewide when they were only really centrally located. They, they had their major location in Indianapolis, but I helped go throughout the state. I traveled. Now it's many areas. Got dual credit. Then we had a battle to get dual credit with Vincennes. Yeah. Okay. We're in every school. When I left, we were in every high school in the state of Indiana. And when I began, we were in maybe two. Wow. <laughs> so. Let's see. And growing up, how aware were you of your family's politics? Was it something you guys talked about a lot, or? Well, Kennedy. I mean, every Catholic kid in the nation, they didn't have any brains. Kennedy being president mm-hmm. in 1960. Yeah. But I was before that, though, because my dad first ran for office. He ran for township trustee, which was once a big deal because every township school was run by the township trustee. Yeah. This is in the 50s. So it's before Kennedy. Kennedy made it even higher goals, I guess. But in the 54, 56 or something, my dad ran for township trustee and lost by a hundred votes. Okay. When people vote the other way, he would have won. Yeah. But in those days, there was a slating and there was, I mean, you, you didn't just get up in a race. If you paid all these dues, well, he had, I guess, went door to door and that's why he came so close. But in those days, the township trustee was very important because they ran the school. Yeah. And, and he would have had, I don't know, 10 elementary schools and a high school. And we didn't have middle schools like that. So, and that was probably the most important part of the trustee's job. Later on, I got the welfare but there was some there back then, but not that much. But then they changed that all in the mid-60s. Yeah. Okay. And, let's see, while you were going through school growing up, did you have any favorite subjects at all? or? Well, I read a lot. Okay. Know, I, my, my, I was about five years old. My dad went to some auction and he bought at least six or seven hundred books. Wow. And among those books were the Nancy Drew Mysteries. Okay. Maybe, I don't know, 12 or 15 of them. And I started reading those at five or six years old. I lived out in the country. There were yeah. two kids my age and we had a scout. We didn't manage to play football field and I had my company that visited me in my own basketball court so I had that but you had you know I don't know reading was a big deal and, and right I, and I read all Nancy Drew Mysteries I remember I read just about every one that was in existence because that was a whole collection and the other I just think of some other Robinson Crusoe all those kind of books some of which are considered children books, but they're geared really like Robinson Crusoe and a few of those others. And adults read them too. Yeah, sure. So I started reading a lot. So I think that was one of my 
other than playing basketball and football in the field, we had, we, but we used to play football in the pasture right behind the barn. And that all kids from all over the neighborhood would come and we went in. Since I went into school, the St. Mary's campus, on the campus of St. Mary's College, you met all these other kids from around, you know, I'm trying to remember, around the Notre Dame area and that. Yeah. So we'd make up teams and these people would come out and try to challenge us out. Get hmm. on the basketball court or out in the field. So we had, we, that was my recreation. And we had a lot of people coming and going back and forth. Wow. And around the country, so I think football and basketball were pretty prime. Yeah, it sounds like your uh, family farm was a pretty popular spot in your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad did, did square dances up there, too. And he wow. And square dances. Jeez. And they were a big deal, too. <laughs> wow. Like an entertainment district almost there, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, now, what were your views about the state of Indiana or being a Hoosier growing up? Well, when I was a kid, yeah, I saw, I saw it through the eyes of basketball more than anything else. Because remember, you had that all-star, all-state, yep. national championship, yeah, from from the high school in my area, and and then from IU and the university. And of course, we lived in the shadow of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and so that's football. So I think sports was really a big deal. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then farming. I uh, we had a farm. We lived. I lived on a farm, and, and by the time I was uh, eleven or twelve, I was driving a tractor, bringing in hay bales, and uh, I was I had had helped or did I had four thousand bales of hay. And I was in the barn, and the hay was going for a dollar bill. Then I was going to, I had a pony that I wanted to buy some horses. And uh, there was these Tennessee walking horses I saw for sale for $1,000. So I was looking at them. Well, lightning hit the barn. It blew all my hay burned up. Wow. And my dad had become a friend of Charlie Finley's when we were, I lived in the port when I was about, two or three years old. And Finley lived nearby in the same well, housing area. And my mother and Mrs. Finley shared the hospital room where they both had their first child together, plus they lived in the neighborhood. So he got to be a pretty good friend of my parents and all that. And when he, be, he was an insurance salesman at days and nights he worked in a steel mill. He got an idea of gives this discount on insurance to doctors, so he talked to my dad about it. So he and my dad, he drove with my, my dad drove with him to go to Chicago to sell it to uh, a big insurance company. Okay. My dad went to a coffee house and waited about an hour, and I came out, he came out and says to my dad, Bernie, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> he was from that time. Wow. <laughs> and he, he really remained a lifetime friend. Yeah. And I had a sister, my two years younger than me, that ended up going to every World Series series game the first time they ran, they got in the World Series. 
So, where did you attend college? Notre Dame. Notre Dame, okay. And uh, what, what was your major? Communication arts. Okay. So, I had a TV show when I was a senior, plus I was the editor of my high school paper, junior and senior year. Ah, okay. And I went to the, they, the if you're an editor of the school paper, you could go to a two-week journalism class at Bloomington. Now, Bloomington, I think, is the most famous paper, high college paper. Um, and they were known for that. And so that, that was a great experience. Yeah, sure. I bet. I, I was torn between IU and Notre Dame. Okay. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because they were both. I ended up getting a master's at IU, so. Yeah. I got them covered. So, and how do you view your college experiences? It was great. Yeah. I great, read great people. I had some great professors. Yeah, that's good. Did your awareness of politics change as you got into college and graduate school? No, I, I, no, I, we got to remember Kennedy. Yeah. 1960, and I graduated from high school in 62, so Kennedy was a huge influence on an Irish Catholic. Yeah, I bet. And that's what I Yeah. Okay. Now, right after uh, college, what was your first job? Was it teaching, or...? I, I taught almost from the beginning. Yeah. Because right? I thought that this year's out of master's, and then... Yeah. yeah, that's about the beginning of, yeah. Yeah. And uh, when did you get married? I got married. How about I get married? Not for a little while. I had to wait for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I got married in my 30s. Okay. Dickinson's son was one of the legislators from uh, South Bend, who came in as freshman with my dad in 
beginning of that, he was like 16 years in the House, uh, House and Senate. And so he, when I ran, he sort of became one of my mentors and, and all that. Yeah. Bill Jean had moved to Indianapolis to go over to the YMCA of Indianapolis. And anyway, I don't know what the bottom line was. I met my wife at Jesse Dickinson Middle School. Okay, yeah, right. that works. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. And that's where we, we met, and after a few years, she decided she was okay to go out with a politician. <laughs> so we, <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. How many children do you have? Three. Okay, cool. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah, that's right. So it's the family traditions continuing then. That's a what, third generation now, state rep? Or? Yeah, yeah, that's third, yeah. That's cool. But she worked in the state house for four years, too, when I was speaker. Yeah. And, and afterward, you know, she worked there four years, and she helped. She helped do the, you know, when we we went on the air, you know, when we transferred for, well, you know, while I was speaker and that, we started doing the cameras and everything, and uh, I was, I, every year I drive down south to, to go to the, uh, oh boy, I can't remember it, down the south, where they had an annual, they got a casino there down, I can't. Uh, yeah. Ryan's going, yeah. Anyway, I gotta remember this. Well, I have to drive from Indianapolis down to Princeton. And so, when you get about halfway or two thirds there, I usually stop. I was with my wife and a couple other people and stopped in this little small town diner. As I walked in, everybody stood up and started clapping. I looked around with it. Well, what had happened is we had gone on this statewide feed. We're now on TV. Oh. And was, yeah, Marine helped do that. And, yeah. and when it first came out, everybody was excited about it. And the public television, especially, took it and put the sessions on. <laughs> and so they knew it for that speaker. Wow. <laughs> and so they knew it. But this was the first time we went to an you know, outlying area. And yeah. I walked in, these people, <laughs> I didn't know why they, I thought it was a setup. I thought some people <laughs> got down there and knew I was coming. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's when I realized the power of television. Yeah. Of, Definitely. I don't even know if they get that much attention anymore. Yeah, but, that's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you because I, I could go anywhere in the state for, for a while during that time people would know who I was because people watched that for you know those beginning years at least yeah yeah true yeah <laughs> now when you first got elected um, what were the key issues or legislation you wanted to champion or fight against well right from the get go I was a big environmentalist and okay. I got some of that from my dad, but I also got it from living out in the country and hoping they weren't going to take it on. Yeah. And uh, pavement, which, by the way, they have now. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I was in an environment in my freshman year. 
my dad had uh, had championed uh, uh, anti-phosphate bill, anti-phosphates and detergents. Yeah. yeah. Tide, you could go in the Tide, uh, the Tide uh, detergent, and then right on the box it said seventy percent phosphate. Yeah. <laughs> and that was causing great problems, algae growth that choked up the lakes and streams. And yeah. It was actually an international problem, but it was a national problem. Yeah, yeah. And they put me on public health and environmental affairs. It was a joint committee. And my dad had introduced it a few times and made it aware and maybe got it. Uh, he made it enough attention that when I introduced it, and they got put in public health and environmental affairs, the chairman knew about it. And he said to me, well, I'll tell you, I'll give you a hearing. Well, I knew that I had to have every creature in the world. and everybody. So I got every environmental group. And that time, Isaac Walton was very big. I wish yeah. I could remember all the others. But I remember the, the, the leader of the Isaac Walton was his, and his wife. Yeah. Very excellent. And... That, and yeah, that my freshman year, I got the anti-phosphate bill or limiting phosphate bill passed. Mm-hmm. Dick, Doc Bohm was I mean, speaker. And he, uh, and, and, and I remember even before, he, I, I, I went personally for quite some report there. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give luck and all that. But he, you know, he didn't do anything. But they were trying to get him to stop. And I want to tell you, the money people were coming out left and right. Oh gosh, yeah. He played it straight, man, and it passed. And they, and so the next year, the next couple of years, the detergent industry came in with tons of money. Yeah. And Bach Bowen, of course, was freshman year, and then the next year we had annual sessions. I was in the first annual sessions. I. When I began, we we used to be every other year for, well, every other year in those days was only 60 straight days. My first year was the first annual session, and we went back the second. So then they all, I'm never, we, they bring in all these big guns. I, I remember, I can't remember the name, but well, I used to, I probably shouldn't use their name anyway, but they, I was a bachelor, and they all, you know, once you come up the top of the Hilton was a dance area, and band, you know, we, we got some nice one. They do everything to get you to do Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and they were giving money out and everything, and trying to, I, putting pressure on everybody, and, I, and uh, we managed to stop the repeal. And then, long story short, they tried a few years, but it got put into effect. We... And when Bowling got to be governor, it went full effect. And uh, anyway, it became it became an international band or national band. And yeah. Within a few years. Yeah. Okay. I have, I, I, I've had in my later years, two or three years ago, I got the first band of microbees in the country. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yes. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we were the first. So. Yeah, and can you explain microbeads to so the people listening to this in the future can? The, the best yeah. I can tell you is gleam toothpaste. If you, you see people, they have little red dots on there. Yeah. Those little red dots were very small plastic things. 
Mm-hmm. And they, and what they really did is they put when you were brushing your teeth, it gave you a little body to it. Okay. Microbes. Yeah. He he's asking me about them. And anyway, uh, and a lot of different products have those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scrubbing powder, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it would it would it cause problems in a person. Yeah, the fish would eat it, then you eat the fish and uh, create okay. a cancer in you. Yeah. Wow. And we were the first nation to ban that to begin an international. I mean, it's gone national, international. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing happened with phosphates. What, 50, 45 years earlier? I don't know. 50, well, many years earlier. Yeah. Wow. No, I guess 45, 46 years earlier, something like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty cool that you can make an international impact even from your state. So yeah. On both of those, yeah. <clears throat> now, what was it like the first day you were elected? How did you feel? Well, I thought that was a pretty nice uh, chamber with that. <laughs> yeah. Walking into that chamber. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really an impressive place. Yeah. So, so that was uh, that was very impressive to be in. Did, did you? F- I, I, yeah. I loved it. I liked. I liked the debates. I liked the speaking. I liked the challenges. And yeah. Because so I, you know, I'd been on the TV show, but I also did a lot of plays. I mean, I my mother had been a director of plays. Yeah. Yet, sure. Not only the same areas, but she did little theater. Little theater was a big deal before television started dominating the world. The 40s. Yeah. Fifties and even early sixties, <clears throat> and she was at the Laporte Theater, and she came here and did Turners, which I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they they really advocated athletics and, mm. and things like that. And every Turners would have a play, a stage, and a play. Oh, okay. And and, and, and it, I think it was originally a sort of a German club. That, yeah. So it had some. Uh, it, it, it pushed sports and, I would have say, culture. So they, you know, they always had a basketball, weightlifting, him out of mid bowling. <laughs> I remember that. And yeah. they always had a stage. So she did it. Laporte did it here, and did it with St. Mary's. And so I was on. I was on a lot of. I did a few plays in my life. Yeah, that's cool. And how did your feelings change with each time you got reelected? Well, it's always, it was always a challenge. Remember, there's a new lineup every time. Too. Right. And, so, and I didn't get, uh, got in a freak majority in 1975-76. Yeah. I was chairman then of the Public Health and Environmental Committee. And we did some I think some good work then. Yeah, and, uh, let's see, which way are you asking? I think, yeah, as I went through those different 10 year periods, you also went through different. Uh, my first term was a five member deal, the second was two member. Right. And that lasted until my 11th or 12th year when I went to single. Or, pardon me? Well, I guess.
for 20 years, and I, I Dick Doyle, yeah, Dick Doyle was when I for 10 years. Okay. And then we were at there, 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 then it went on to single mirror. So that, and then what? Uh, but I, I love the whole process. I yeah. The, I, I like the, the committee thing where you can debate things out. And, you know, it, it's smart salesmanship, too. I mean, oh, sure. Yeah. My dad was in the sales business. So he was a distributor and a salesperson for uh, water and conditioning units and things like that. And he knew that. And I used to do fairs where you got to talk to people. So. So that was the same thing you do when you're trying to sell your bill. You got to first get the chairman to give you a hearing. And if you are the chairman, which I got to be for two years, uh, <laughs> of the health, uh, the, the environment and health, they were blended together in those days. And I just thought the whole process is part salesmanship. And it's, uh, having, you know, making persistence to, Right, yeah. Did your campaign strategies change over your political career? Well, I figured I had to go all out the first year, so I never, you know, at any time. I, I know they didn't. I mean, it's just I think you got to go full boat. Can't take anything for granted. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you and I guess you went undefeated your entire time, so you it worked out. <laughs> Twenty-five elections. Yeah, <laughs> maybe probably a dozen primaries at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty impressive record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is. Uh, I think for state reps, it might be the national record. Yeah, that it would be hard to beat. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's twenty-five elections. Yeah. Center, first joined the the General Assembly, I, I suppose that you, did you feel pretty comfortable with the legislative process because of your dad's uh, history in the legislature, or? Well, i tell you one thing. Most, most, almost all people in politics are gregarious people because they got to go out and sell things. I, I, I think, like, uh, the chairman I worked with, they're all Republicans, but they're very friendly. Yeah. They weren't always accommodating because of the bill I had. My sure. Philosophy. But they were, yeah, but they, it, was, it was a good working relationship. And most, uh, a, per, a person who goes out and has to sell people on themselves and get elected generally has an amiable or somewhat winning personality and they and they, so you're working with people that know how to treat people I guess is what I'd say so in general I think it's a you know it can get tough sometimes when maybe the, the majority is trying to ramp something on the majority you got right. back but that's no that is, that's only maybe 5% or 10% it depends on how close you are, by the way. <laughs> yes, definitely. But it's a small, it's not the day-to-day, -day and it's not a, 
And did you have any uh, political mentors in the General Assembly? Any what? Uh, like political mentors in the General Assembly, or did you not need any? Or My dad was a mentor. He yeah. was good. And uh, I, I just found some of the members that had been there before, and especially those that had been friends with my dad, were helpful and, yeah. and, and, and helping talk to them. Um, and I guess I learned from others just from knowing them and exchanging things, whether they were yeah, even, you know, if you change ideas, and that goes bipartisan. I mean, Every bill I had passed had to be bipartisan because we were never in a super majority, so we had to win, you know, votes over. And the Senate's been Republican except for about fifty years, <laughs> for except for a two-year period. Right. In 50 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some of those people, O'Kinley, I think, I'll tell you in the budget area because I was on that, you know, twelve years away from each year. And, right. And then, and then, if I was, could we had numbers close enough to just go out there and build zero when I was the minority budgets and things like that. But I, all all the years that I was chair of Ways and Means, author of the budget, I had to deal with the Republican Senate, you know, and therefore you had to learn to get along with them. And I got to like, I mean, not in the beginning, it was, you know, when I first met, Borston Mills, who had been running the Senate for probably 12 years before, and the world, by the way, host for 12 years before I got there. Yeah. I mean, we'd have all night, and I'd be chairman of the budget conference committee. Right. We'd be up all night, and we'd go for three, four weeks. Wow. And we'd stay up all night, and I'd have to do it, and I'd do it. But sometimes people... Yeah, you know, if you've been there, you know that the whole world centers around that budget. Yeah, oh, sure. Oh, sure, yeah. It's, <laughs> if people come at 3 o'clock in the morning, we still yeah. go, go to see what's going on. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the only way, because they've been so used to the Senate. Yeah, when I first got there, they've been so used to running a show. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to have me tell them what to do, but I was a chair and author of the, of, the, of the bill in this house. And no, I, I, I'd have to go, we'd go, we'd go, we'd go, and finally we'd get a, a deal. We'd go to, you know, I call overtime, but yeah. it was a session or whatever, but we got the job done. After a while, both Forrest and Miller became close friends. It took a few years. Sure. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. But we got to, I, I mean, I, I respected them, and eventually, I guess, they gave that back to me, and uh, plus we gained friends, because you worked so many hours together, yeah. and in the end, you accomplished, I think those are great budgets, and I think maybe after a while, they understood they were, too, because they'd get accolades for some of the stuff that was done, because they were part of it. Right, right. Yeah. And, and then, then on that, you know, even the people they picked, not talking mostly about the Senate, because they've been in control of that over there, like, uh, not just Warren Miller, of course, but Meeks, and uh, 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then you know another guy, Pat, uh, Carly, and I. We were fifty-fifty, and uh, he was the chairman of Ways Me before I was. And I, I think it took took, I guess, two paths, I guess, together. But <laughs> but it, 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 things could have been a lot worse. Right. Because we had a tie in the house, and we still got, I think, a great budget up. And then we had, and for me, we had a opposition party the whole time. Every time I was either chair or speaker, and we still managed. So I think it got a great budget. Yeah, we built IUs all over the state. There was only one real IU, Bloomington, and of course Indianapolis was building up. Not all the beginning guys, um, and, and part of that was. You know, because in the, the, the IU regionals are all Democratic districts. <laughs> right. Basically, you know, you name it, Terre Haute, South Bend, but also, uh, and then the other, I think, the other the higher ed was we built Ivy Tech and spread it around. I mean, together, I'm going to say together with, uh, with the Republicans, but in my time, and either leadership or, you know, ways me into that. And I think that that has given great education and learn the skills are, uh, and, but that everything has to be done in the end in this state by partisan. Right, yeah. Because the Senate's been forever Republican and we've managed to, well, it doesn't have to be now, but I think they do less accomplishments when we, when we don't have that bipartisan part. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the things we did, the things when we did, we had the majority in the House and the Senate over there mm-hmm. are more advancing and more compelling and more vibrant for our future than they do when they're both Republicans. Right? Okay, I mean, yeah. They, they might do some kind of a... Uh, business type thing that we'd never consider in some certain element of business would have a benefit. Right. But the, the rest of us wouldn't necessarily benefit. But to get people progress and programs to help everybody, it took, I think it did, took that balance between the house and the sun. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. How did you know the needs and wants of your constituents? Pardon me? Uh, how did you know the needs and wants of your constituents? Oh, there was great communication. I mean, they call me. They yeah. Write me, so knock on my door. Yeah, okay. That's, that's, all, that's one thing. That's good. And, you know, the other thing that they don't, they don't have anymore is, like, we had, South Contributor had a news reporter there every day. Oh, they don't okay. do that. They don't do that anymore. Huh. And most of the other newspapers had somebody there. Yeah. And and so things were no. People got to know things more. Yeah. Uh, and then for a long period of time, it, we had WSBT TV and WNDU down there almost every day. Yeah. Wow. Now they don't go out. Gone at all. Uh, and the Tribune is you know 
They're never there I, that I know, not anymore. And, and, and it's probably true of the others, too. They either they can watch it on TV or, you know, there's so many other ways of doing it. But then yeah. they don't, there's reporters out there, whether it's sellers or this way, to talk and get the in-depth. Now, they still have some very good reporters, there's no question, but they're AP or they're uh, right. local yeah, that's interesting. I, I never really thought about that. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense that uh, without having local reporters from your area, it's harder to get information that's not general uh, and specific stuff about your particular part of the state. Um, yep. Do you remember what the first bill was that you sponsored? The Vosway Road, okay. Got it. And um, how would you describe the interactions between uh, Democrats and Republicans in your time in the General Assembly? Well, I started my... I, 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 thought, I think it's always been good. You, I've always been able... And, I think most of the time they were able to talk to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean but you still, have, you still have to sell your program or your, your bill or what you're doing. And I, I find most people that get in the General Assembly are people people because they had to go out and ask people to vote for them. Right. <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> so so I, I think it's, it's good. Yeah. Are you still there? Yes. Oh, okay. Just making sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, now, w did you see any change in the relationship between Democrats and Republicans over time, or has it pretty much stayed the same since you started and retired from the General Assembly? I can't tell you now because I'm not there. But right, it's yeah. It's the same basic. Okay. Basically. Just curious. I mean, yeah. It, it's better to be in the majority than the minority. I'll say well, that. yeah. Oh, yeah. But for but the champ, just the individuals that come, I think most people have had to earn the trust of their people back at home, or it has to be, you know, go out and meet with people. Yeah. And they have to be somewhat persuasive. And so I think that type of person comes to the legislature. Right. And so you can communicate. Okay. You had to communicate to get there. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard some legislators uh, in the past I've interviewed who said that they kind of felt that the relationship between the two parties had started to break down over time and it wasn't as easy to work with each other. Um, but... Yeah, that's interesting. Well, see, well, I think having a super majority is not beneficial to the public and not helpful even to the individual legislator, yeah. Republican or Democrat. Yeah. Because you can become less uh, potent in your ability, even if you're in the super majority. Yeah. I mean, there's sort of a lot of you, they don't. They only ate 51 out of the 70 or whatever. They have it, 75. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So, your importance, when you have a close number between the two parties, it's more valuable to every member because you're needed more. When you have a super majority, there's many of the majority they don't need and none of the minority. But that's the job when the minority has to work harder and get the the good points out about a bill that they want to sell and the bad points about a bill that they're trying to ram, if they're trying to ram it through. Yeah. You just got to work twice, three times as hard. Yeah. Okay. And how did you uh, garner support for legislation that you wanted to uh, put in place? Well, first you got to get a, a, something, a hearing from the uh, chairs. So yeah. You know, I tried to give all the information I could, so, you know, tell people that were yeah, positive for it to contact that person. Yeah. And, I mean, I work basically the, to the chairman of a committee in charge of the bill. That's the way I think it's supposed to be. I mean, it's the way we do things. And I think most successful people in the legislature know it's a committee system. Yeah. Sure. And how was legislative business conducted outside of uh, committee meetings and formal votes? Was it you know, like talking to people in the halls or going to dinner with them or? Yeah. 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 Both. Yeah. Okay. Did you have a, a good idea of how people would vote prior to actually voting? Sure. Try to get a vote count. Yeah. Now, uh, what was it like serving uh, as part of, uh, you know, leadership in the House versus just being a, a regular uh, legislator? Well, as a regular legislator, you can work and focus completely on, the, on, on your committee work and on your uh, bills. Yeah. And... I mean, you're a leader, you have to worry, and not be worried, but could be concerned about others and their bills and their what, how they're doing and helping them. So you, you also be, you come, you, you have to become uh, a helper of everybody, and then you need to also, you know, try to you know, help steer, steer them in the right direction, help yeah. them in the right direction. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And how influential is party leadership in terms of making decisions? How influential is uh, party leadership? Uh, party leadership. How influential is a leader? Uh, oh, uh, sorry. How influential is party leadership uh, in the General Assembly? It's what that leader does. It's what how he deletes. Yeah. I think there's been good leaders most of the time. Yeah. That's good. <clears throat> what were some uh, good examples uh, during your service of people coming together from both sides of the political spectrum to put legislation down? 
Well, I was mentioning the environmental bills. Yeah, <laughs> that one got lots of support. Yeah. I, I had those two that were first in the nation. I had a couple others that were pretty big deal. Yeah. Pardon me? Well, the DNA bill took me three years. Oh, yeah. Done, and that was a really big deal. Yeah. And in the end, it took uh, Democrats and Republicans, uh, senators and House, and... and That's great. Now, what's the what? What was the backstory on that DNA bill? Yeah, I want to just say. One yeah, thing. go for it. Yeah. There are people that spent fifteen years in prison that were exonerated by DNA. Yeah. We had one of them come testify at at the Senate committee, and uh, in fact. You know, they have these national, uh, what do you call them? Like databases or? 
No. I did, my wife and I went to a national uh, convention. Oh, okay, yeah. It was a conference in Atlanta, the National Conference of State Legislators, and they had booths. And my wife went and met this woman that uh, whose daughter had been raped. Oh, okay. Uh, and then murdered and then burned to death. Oh, my gosh. And she had spent three, four years working to get the killer uh, committed, and she just put her whole life in it. It was DNA they used to prove who the killer was. Then she had gone, she was on a national mission to get that passed. So I went, she, she came down and we went down and talked to that woman. That's what yeah. my efforts. And I went and tried it. Got it out of the house. Almost something happened in the center. Then we came back and I went to the next one and saw her and another group again and there were more people standing up. And that people would get up and say, I was convicted of murder and spent nine years and this cleared me. And oh just gosh. all that, or catching people. And uh, I mean, that was a battle that had to be won. Yeah. Uh, Stuart Hall was a champion, became a champion with me. He was, that's how a Democrat Republican can work together. Yeah, I sure. Was a ranking member, I was a ranking member of. Uh, Judiciary. He was a chair. And he was my co-author, and in the, in the end, it didn't matter who the co-author author or the sponsor, because of the sponsor of the Senate was a woman from Bloomington, Senator from Bloomington, and she stuck through it. And her husband was a, was a prosecutor and a lawyer, so he was very ill. Well, he was camping, and after um, that, and then the trial. I'm, I'm sorry, the Prosecutors Association got behind it too. So I, I, that's one that I'm glad you brought that one up. I just had a couple of years ago or so, three, no? yeah. three I think. So I mean, that's, that's an like example. Yeah. I mean, if you get something, you just you, you sell his salesmanship for one thing, but it's persistence and it's just never giving up. Yeah, definitely. And um, so that DNA bill, it kind of like, I remember reading about it a little bit. Uh, it, I guess it like kind of expanded who you could collect DNA from to catch criminals and... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it works. Yeah, that's cool. People that are wrongfully uh, prosecuted are freed and people who aren't guilty right. are found. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what what would you say the public does not know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it operates? Well, it's all changed because they don't really have as much uh, viewing of it as they used to. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I, I can't really... I think it, 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 they know less today than they used to because it's, it's not as publicized. Right. It's not, I mean, they could, they have access to it if they go out of their way. Yeah. Before it was right there in the front. 
How did your legislative service affect your family life? say were the main ones? Well, the budget we used to be the number one battleground. Right, and yeah. Get that done. Uh, I, I think so. I just had to have somebody have to remind me that I, I can't remember right now. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of battles, and we were 50-50 twice. Yeah. And then we were 452-48. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of those close ones. And, of legislation would you say took the most time? Oh, how about the budget that took us almost the, the whole state suit, which I yeah. Speaker of California, so he was there. He was the 
whatever you do, don't let your state shut down. He talked about California and miss passing the budget and all the, how everything had stopped. The state was in a stalemate and went on for weeks and weeks and it was still going on during that conference. And he said, no matter what you do, don't let your say, well, that was the one that we almost did. We almost went over the line. Wow. We got it done. Uh, he was there with a state that was shut down. I remember that because I mean, it was a matter of that we had now taken on. The Senate Republicans have been powerful forever and ever. Yeah. And, you know, I did, but, but I, I, I did in my end, I tell you, every one of those members, I should mention Meeks, I mentioned Kenley, I mentioned Mills and Boris, and I'm probably missing one or, one or maybe another, but they worked well. But the battle that year was anger over Ellenby and that, and they were going to shut that state down. And we came within a, an hour of that. So, wow. Yeah. I think that was probably the most uh, intense. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> Yeah. What would you say was your proudest moment as a legislator? Well, we just reviewed about five or six of them. I can't <laughs> miss any one of them. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Mini proud moments. Um, now, what, in your opinion, is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly? I think they have to distribute a fair budget that first of all guarantees a good education for kids all over. And also, they have, one thing we haven't been doing is protecting the environment. That's something we should need to do to be doing. But education is important to everyone, and that's important. But, but you also gotta remember our health and our future, and that's you know, protecting and not abusing our environment. Yeah. And also, I just have to, to say, Redistricting. Yeah. Because the public deserves a chance to elect somebody that's competent and not just there because his party managed to compile a district that excludes somebody that should have been part of that community or, you know, just lopsides everything. So I think the next big one coming up is the fairness and the legitimacy of the new districts. Yeah, okay. Sure. Now, let's see, turn towards some uh, more specific questions about uh, different pieces of legislation that I kind of, I found in the newspaper archives that we have. Um, let's see, do you remember, apparently, in like, this was in 2002, do you remember a, a situation where there was, I guess, a little bit of controversy about one of your uh, campaign donors apparently had some like tie to the gambling industry or something, and some people were worried about how it could influence a bill. Do you remember anything about that? No. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you would since that was almost 20 years ago, but but I figured I'd mention it anyway. Um, let's see. In 2007, I guess there was... 
a debate over uh, an amendment that would ban same-sex marriage. Do you remember that debate at all, or? I just apparently it was said in the in the paper that uh, you refused to allow a house vote on the amendment. I guess, and some people were upset with you or something like that. But <laughs> I refused to do what to to uh, have a, a house vote on the amendment. Sometimes they're not germane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It sounds like it's right from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So you stand by the decision. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was interesting. Yeah. But yeah, some people in the, in the newspaper, I guess, were uh, some some of the Republicans, I guess, complained to the newspaper about that. So, <laughs> which well, they were German or Germane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were on the bad bad, bad Germans from way back when. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> they used to throw crap in all the time, and you, you got you got some people that are so far out they wonder how they ever got in the door. Yeah, and usually they don't last very long, and it's on both sides. You get one every now and then. Yeah, Not okay. Not too often, though. Not too often. Right, right. Yeah, I understand. Let's see. Um, what about this? I guess in 2009 there were there was uh, some reports. I guess that you were involved in trying to strengthen restrictions on the role of money in politics from lobbyists and stuff. Um, yeah. Do you remember that at all? Or yeah, we were going to have limits here and there. I I did some limiting on a lot of things. Okay. I said you had to wait a year before you got a job with the lobbyists. Yeah. Now. How well do you remember the legislative walkout of uh, 2011? I remember very well. Okay. Um, so can you describe to me what the situation was with that and what exactly happened and why? Well, they're, they're decided to destroy unions. Okay. And we decided not to have them do that. And we needed to draw attention to it, so we stayed out until they... <laughs> They were, they were running over rules and just dominating. And so we stayed out until we tried to get some, you know, yeah, I don't know, pressure going the other way. Yeah, okay. We did our best, we did our best and uh, finally we decided that we couldn't do it. So, and that was, uh, some people in our caucus uh, and we, it wasn't easy to do. First we lost pretty young because we weren't there. And, This is a, this state 
you have to work this state very hard to win as a Democrat. Yeah. Because, um, I don't know, we just, it's the money, it's big, more the money. Right. A, a, a uh, television's expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you could be, you could be the veteran uh, legislator, like they be good. They just want to expensive television and be a guy that's been minority leader, a guy that's been a very good legislator. You do a, you do the bombing through television, you can knock out somebody. Wow. Yeah. And right now we, I think we have one Democrat from the South. <laughs> Jeez. We lost it. And then we used to have 12, 14, 15, 16. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <clears throat> now, do you feel, uh, now, where, I think, was it that you guys left and you went to Illinois during that walkout? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Now, yes. now, why did you choose to go there exactly? Well, they could send, uh, they could send, uh, the police, which would oh, be the command of the to get government. You. Oh. Yeah. oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, do you feel that it made a difference at the end to help get you a better compromise or anything? Or Well, I, I think it may have because it's not on that issue. It's on other issues they might have attempted to do. Yeah. Okay. But it was a price. It was. It was not a. It was. It was a. a it was a hard thing to do. And, yeah. And it, it was something that uh, I think people should realize it had to be done because it's so easy just to ram something through. Yeah. And do anything you want. If you don't Makes sense. And that's all I can say about that. But I do think that the state's worse off not having collective bargaining than they were when we had collective bargaining. Yeah, okay. Um, let's see, I, I also read in 2012 that there were uh, some reports, I guess, that some Democrats were interested in, in challenging your leadership in the House. Do you remember that at all? or? Oh, yeah, they did, and uh, I uh, I was uh, I was on the DLCC, Democratic mm -hmm. Legislative Campaign Committee, and in twelve in our election, we uh, was it, it was I got to figure if it was ten or twelve that we went nationwide. I think it might have been twelve, but you, you, I think nationwide 
the Democrats got slaughtered. Okay. We had super majorities in most of our southern states that went to super minorities. Wow. They couldn't break quorum. And the DLCC had, out of 99 leaders, either speakers, pro t- speakers, Senate pro tems, or, or uh, um, minority leaders, out of 99 potential people in the state, I was one of 16 on the Democratic Legislative Camp, National Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee, focused on money for state legislative races. Yeah. I averaged over five million plus every year raised in the last two years I was there. Wow. Raising money, raising money for the campaigns. Yeah. And that year, I think it might have been, I got to tell you what year, I think from 10 to 12 we were still in the majority, or we went in the minority in 12, you might be right about the year, I think it could be, but anyway, uh, Okay, so we went, like I just told you, in that year, I think it was, I believe it was 12, we went boom, all over this country. Yeah. And we were the highest number, 40, to, you have to have 51. We were the closest and the highest of all these former speakers, seven or eight of us, of that 16 panel and a couple of the pro towns, and the rest might have been minority leaders that, that were put on there because they're close to getting it. I was the only one mm-hmm. that got that high and that close. Wow. Well, some people said they could do better. Meanwhile, that was a major conduit to national money. That's where you got your bigger dollars. Yeah. And I, again, I told you I had five one million more in the last couple of years before that. And as a, as a member of that, and they sort of honored me or praised me for having the closest 40 to the magic number. Yeah. I mean, that meant all these others had gone from majorities, and in some cases, super majorities, to minor. Yeah. Little minor numbers. So they used that and bitched about it and everything. And so. They want to take over the campaign for the next thing, so eventually I just, you know, what am I going to do? I decided, <laughs> you know, also, is the other thing, and none, none of these people understand it. Well, some of them might have, they tried. You travel, you travel to state, and you travel to D.C., you travel to Pittsburgh, you travel to raise money. Yeah. You're not going to get the big check, and sometimes, unless you visit them, I did that. Yeah, right. They, 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 they didn't do that. And so we went from that 40 to 31. I, when I left that position, I was I was trying to get back to 51, but I knew that I had an excellent chance at 46, going up to 46. And I was working on trying to get enough to get up a little higher and, and keep it. I, as soon as that happened, all those pledges I had were canceled. They didn't have any money. It was gone. That's how they went from 40 to 31. Wow. Then they worked themselves down to 29. <laughs> and now, unfortunately, I think they're at 26. 
And I didn't, I didn't know any of that. This last campaign, though, I don't blame on anybody because I just don't know. I stayed out of it, except for the one seat here. One seat here. Sure, uh, sure. Cause, and, and I'll tell you what. No one told me, that, you know, a couple good friends of mine got beat, but they never called me and said anything. I don't know if they saw it coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, because, you see, the people that are in charge have never done any of that. Right, yeah. I mean, and if you don't see, but I saw it coming because I take polls. Now, polls cost money. you got to be able to go get that money. Right, right. There's an art to that, and it's not sitting on your butt. Yeah. But also, they haven't made contacts. You know, I had been, before I became speaker, I'd been Ways and Means chairman for two speakers before me. And for both those speakers, I had worked to get the majority so they could be speaker and I could be Ways and Means chairman. Yeah. So I had a hell of a lot of experience. Right, yeah. And so they thought they could do it with no experience. Wow. And then you have to recruit. Well, part of my life's been in sales, and for a number of years I've had to sell people to vote for me. So I'd go to the district, recruit the candidate, then I'd go back and do press conferences, and then I'd be on their back. They never did that. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, like uh, one of the guys there said, you made it look too easy. Well, they weren't looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, <laughs> I said, no, they were looking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, yeah. I, I, then I, this last campaign, the governor's candidate, yeah. the lieutenant governor's yeah. candidate, they did nothing. Wow. And by the way, the person that was put in as a minority leader to take my place was the lieutenant governor candidate. Yeah. She has now suffered her second devastating defeat. Yeah. I mean, you go from 40 to 31 when you're already... And by the way, everyone was predicting we'd get to 46. I was the one I had to convince some people we go to 48 because that's why we could ask for more funding to get those two. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you do polls, you do this, and you sell that. And so... They went from 40 to 31. She was my daughter. Oh, my gosh. She was a lieutenant governor. This candidate this last time. Yeah. So that proves they're not, they don't know. Right. They know not what they do. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, let's see. I read that you were involved in some large reforms to the state tax system. Do you do you know much? Remember much about that? The reforming of the state tax system. Yeah. Well, a lot of that was what we did was reformed. I can't tell you specifically right yeah. now. No, that's fine. Yeah. Because it's it's pretty it's you know minutia, but it does affect. Yeah. So um, I wish I could just remember it said. Is this better, by the way? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you fine. Well, the other one was starting to fade on me. Okay. I got a battery phone. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I did. We did a lot of tax reforming. I mean, I, that was part of my, you know, ways and means is tax and budget. Yeah. I, but I'd have to go look at all that. Oh yeah. Stuff. No worries. So no, I did a lot of tax 
Yeah, okay. Adjustment bills, if you want to call them that. Uh, school formula, uh, that, was, that used to be the biggest battle of them all. Okay, sure. That it's, doesn't seem to be much of a battle anymore, but... Yeah. You know, that's basically because it used to be at the mix and the effect between the state and local, and the local doesn't give hardly anything anymore compared to what they used to. So, right. you know, the mix doesn't matter as much, and it's not as complicated. Let's see, what about your uh, legislation called Hoosier RX? I guess that was that was used to lower prescription drug costs. Do you remember that? Hoosier RX. Yeah. I can't really, I don't have that in front of me. Okay, no worries. I was on public health, and yeah. I was chairman of public health and environmental affairs in 1975, 76. So, yeah, okay. I was on that committee, and I was on that committee <clears throat> more than half the time I was in the legislature. So I got involved with some of that. Yeah, okay. All right, well, let's see. We're uh, at our last set of questions here. They're kind of more big picture oriented. Um, now, you were the longest serving member, I guess, ever in the Indiana House of Representatives. Um, what made you want to be part of the General Assembly for that long? You know, I think where I was at and what I could do was the most effective place I could be. Yeah. And even in the super minority, I was able to get things done. Right. I didn't like it. I liked it. I didn't ask for it. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but I think I was able to get things done, and I wanted to be there in a position where I could. Yeah. There, I, people give me polls for saying you could win Congress, you could do that. And I look about what I could do in Congress in the next two years and what I could do in the State House, and it always came out plus yeah. here. Yeah. So I think, I thought that was the office I knew. I, that was the office I was able to succeed and do things for people. And the others could take time, maybe. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I thought about it, and I was asked to do it a couple of times. Uh, I think the U.S. Senate probably is the only other position I would have gone for, but nobody offered me $10 million. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. That's an expensive, uh, yeah, process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only reason that's to do it is you get six years. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, yeah. Wow. I um, mean, that's gives you time to get something done. Oh, yeah, definitely. Fourth, fifth, and sixth years. Now, uh, I guess for, for a lot of people, it's probably you know, fairly, kind of probably makes sense, I guess, I suppose. But why? what made you officially decide to leave the Indiana General Assembly? Did you just feel like you kind of reached a milestone? You were there like 50 years, so. Um. Well, my wife wanted to live uh, a life with me here yeah. around, rather. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> she, she just said it. She did it back up 50 years. Yeah, 50 That's years. Enough. That's enough. It's hard to argue with somebody. Well, and at the same time, I, I, during that time, I 
did 33 years, at, uh, 35 years at Southern Schools. Yeah. And uh, 16, or I think, 15 years at Ivy Tech. So there's another uh, 48 years. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I didn't just do state rep. Right. Remember, it's not a full-time job. Yeah. So I was a teacher for um, most of that time. Not, well, I told you how many years. And I was a... Um, uh, vice, well, I eventually became vice president of why Ivy Tech, and I helped it grow in the dual credit yeah. from about four or five schools to the whole state. Wow. Hundreds of high schools throughout the state. Yeah. How would you summarize your time as a state legislator overall? Well, there's no question that when you're on the budget committee, that's the state budget committee, the five-member panel, which I was on for, well, maybe 20 years, 22 years, and that takes a lot of time, and then uh, leadership takes a lot of time. Yeah. So, I think it takes a lot, a lot of time, and therefore... When you're, uh, the regular legislative thing is four months, one year, three months, the next. But then, if you have those other assignments, it's, uh, I'd say, four or five days, I'm going to say, I better say four, yeah, four, maybe four, I average four days every month during the off-season, I call it. Yeah for the month and maybe it'll be five but you have to go and usually you don't just go to uh, you the budget committee for instance travels the state you spend uh, three days on the road every month and then you may have a fourth day to deliberate and vote mainly capital projects and boom I was on that for a long time okay and so, and away from home, and my wife said, and away from home. Yeah, so, yeah. And, yeah, we had these delightful tours, visiting prisons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, we were in uh, East Chicago looking at oil uh, contamination. I mean, you did it, you went, to, you went to everywhere. You went to every major state facility everywhere right. in the state. Yeah. So, I mean, that was 20 years part of my life. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, then you got the leadership, which is another more than a decade. Uh, yeah. So up to about 40%. So, okay, what? I get, I, my wife, uh, I got about five, ten more minutes. Okay, sure, yeah, we're almost done here. I'll just wrap it up. Got a couple more questions. Um, let's see. <clears throat> what advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators? What would I give advice to? Do or which one? <laughs> to, to future and current legislators. Well, I'd have to do it from a perspective of what the Democrats are in. So yeah. I think just sitting in that chamber, whether 
it's a possibility of doing good. Yeah. And I and you have tools so you can do it. You have ideas that work. You can do it on second reading amendments. That's one way. You also have committee work, and committee work should be the the, the heartbeat. And so on the committees, you work on those committees and you offer an amendment if it's appropriate. I think you do need to talk to the chairman and you do have to talk to the other members. Yeah. And by the way, your word is your bond. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, that's good. And you can't, and you, and you better vote no when you should vote no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and vote yes. I mean, know your votes. Sure. And I think most of them do that. Yeah. Okay. On both sides. On both sides. Uh, how would you say the Indiana General Assembly has changed over time? I. I, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, the problem the word change is shouldn't include the word adjust. You have to adjust. Right, okay, sure. <laughs> and, and each session, each two years is different. Yeah. Because there's a different lineup, a different who's in power, who's not in super minor. It's that adjustment, so you have to be willing to judge, adjust. Yeah. yeah, okay. Let's see, last question here. Uh, what do you want Hoosiers to know about their role in relation to the function of the Indiana General Assembly? I think people should know they can call their representative or yeah. write them or email them because he's their, your representative or she is your representative. Yeah. And by the way, you'll get a better response from them and quicker than you would from a congressman because you know what? They're one of 435. Right. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say you shouldn't go with them either, but I just say we're a shorter trip. Yeah, okay. target. Makes sense. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's going to be a, a good good addition to the to the project and uh, it's, especially since you were there so recently so it's been really really interesting how far back are you going and how far? well the earliest person i've interviewed served in uh, 1961 and uh, i basically i i interview anyone who's around uh, that served in the general assembly uh, about their experiences so uh, if you have, if you ever have any uh, names about former members that I should interview, you know, feel free to to let me know, and I can uh, make sure to get them on my list. So, you know, I was uh, on the five member group for many years on the historical, the legislative historical commission. Yeah, I know Garten was on it. I was on it for my dad. I think was on it before I was, and uh, we used to get more briefings all the time. Yeah. And I know if you go down to the library, you'll see that group. And oh, okay. You'll see those names. You'll see, uh, I think that's the name of it, the Historical Legislative Historical Committee. Yeah. There were five of us. Uh, Garden was on for a long time. I was on there. My dad was on before I was. And uh, it was a two Garden, I remember, because, you know, he was a long-serving state 
you said 26 years. Yeah, okay, sure. And there's an example of a guy who became a very close friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and, I mean, I told you all those can't finance people did, but Bob Garden became a very close friend of mine, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we've... Oh, you know, and I, and at one moment, you have not brought up this governor, Shiano. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah, because I was, my wife and I were in a national conference of state legislative speakers in Hawaii. Okay. We just gotten there. Yes. Yeah. Let's say I'm going to make up, and the night we got there, the next morning I was still, got a call that the governor died. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta get back here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I had to go. Wow. And we flew all the way back. And and then uh, I mean, I'll tell you, Governor Curran. I mean, he wasn't governor then, but he's lieutenant governor. He was very upset and emotional. Garden, everybody was shook up. Yeah. No, definitely. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye bye.